This is U.S. Army. Closer look. I think the job is pretty awesome. Innovating. Insight. Soldiers. Soldiers. Mission. Closer look. Closer look. Those who were there. Uh, and what we need to make sure is we have the most capable army to deliver specific effects on a battlefield relative to U.S. national security interests. Those experiences, those strategies. Closer look. Closer look. Army Media. I'm Jacques Bannerman. The interviews today are part of an Army Current Operations Engagement Tour, also known as an ACOET. Well, the preparation is, is, uh, starts with the messaging. That was Command Sergeant Major James L. Light of 1st Squadron, 7th Cavalry Regiment. Uh, the next level preparation really comes from them understanding the seriousness of the mission and what the North Korean threat really entails. We had the opportunity to speak with Sergeant Major Light and other senior leaders from 1st Armored Brigade Combat Team, 1st Cavalry Division, about their brigade's recent rotation in South Korea. So my hometown is Holly Springs, Mississippi. It's a little town about uh, 30 miles outside of Memphis. I thought I heard home in there. Yes, you did. I really, really <laughs> did. As a command sergeant major, responsible for the people, the troop, that individual, what was your biggest challenge? So as a command sergeant major uh, for the cavalry squadron on Camp Hovey, Korea, uh, my challenges were a little bit different than some of the other units on, uh, on the peninsula. Camp Hovey Casey presents its own challenges. Um, you know, we're north of, uh, north of the Han River and uh, Area 1. Area 1 is an area that's considered to be a little more austere and you have to be a little more ready to go than other places on the pen. So uh, from the squad leader through the command sergeant major, the challenge to keep a soldier engaged in his mission and disciplined over the course of a nine-month rotation when maybe nothing's happening um, is, is, is definitely a challenge. And it's constant interaction and engagement with um, the soldiers as you get an opportunity to do that, whether it's at a promotion board, whether it's at a training event, whether it's during PRT. Um, every opportunity you get to tell them what they're doing makes them better, faster, stronger, smarter in preparation to meet that enemy on the battlefield and defeat them is critical. What did you get out of this? Out of the deployment, I, I tell you, uh, I have, I say this every level of leadership that I'm, that I'm honored enough to, to hold, but this has been the most rewarding experience in my career is holding this position to command Sergeant Major. You know, I tell the troopers that the reach belongs to them and the unit doesn't belong to me, and I'm here to serve them. And I think uh, being in Korea where I am doing the same thing the soldiers are doing every day, I'm doing PT with them. We do that back, back in the States as well. But that may be my only touch point with the formation um, in the States, uh, in garrison. In Korea, I walk past their barracks every day. I'm in their barracks. I walk past the soldiers on the street. I'm on the bus with them. I'm in the DFAC with them three meals a day. Uh, we're in the motor pool. So my touch points are, are multiplied exponentially there. And so you have the better opportunity to influence and really get a feel for what's going on at the grassroots level of your organization. And I appreciated that. How did you prepare the soldiers for their mission? Mm -hmm. And uh, how did they take to it? Well, the preparation is, is, uh, starts with the messaging. Um, so you, you train a soldier to a certain level because it's the right thing to do, because there's a task conditioning standard that they're trying to meet. Uh, the next level preparation really comes from them understanding the seriousness of the mission and what North Korean threat really entails. Uh, so being specific about certain things like Seabernie, for example, is not a task that uh, had been emphasized over the past um, decade or so in the military. So getting them re-familiar with the protective mask and re-familiar with the 10-level task 
um, that are required to survive in a, in a chemical environment or a nuclear environment was, was key. And letting them know what the enemy's capabilities were to deliver those systems to their doorstep um, in the barracks uh, was critical to getting them to, to really buy into what they needed to learn um, in order to be proficient in that environment. How about interoperability with mm -hmm. your partner units there, the Republic of Korea? So uh, a positive aspect of interoperability is something that's been in place for uh, 60 years, and that's the Katusa program. So all the things that we struggle with as an army and, and as allies, uh, communications platforms, you know, digitization, et cetera, um, we, can, we, we were able to overcome that by the use of the Katusa, using the Katusa as an LNO between organizations, between the ROC Army and the U.S. Army. So as we, as we partnered with uh, ROC Army platoons and American cavalry platoons, those Katusas were critical in helping the soldiers understand each other and helping um, us understand each other's mission. The brigade posture it, it was to react to no-notice aggression by maintaining a, uh, a fight-tonight standard for soldiers. What exactly does that entail? It entails uh, every day, uh, every soldier being ready to fight right now. And uh, the fight tonight mentality, you know, it, it turns into a fun term to use um, over time, of course. Uh, but we really came to realize that it wasn't about fighting tonight, it's about fighting right now. It's like, what do I have to do every, every, you know, every minute of the day to prepare myself for what might come next? What does this unit specifically bring to the table? So the Iron Horse Brigade on the, on the Korean Peninsula um, is the combat force for America. Uh, we are forward deployed on Freedom's Frontier, um, ready to, and actively deterring aggression every day and ready to respond uh, to any aggression uh, that, uh, that should happen, or any situation that may require us to act ready. Um, I think that uh, Iron Horse brings a level of readiness that the Peninsula um, has not experienced in quite some time um, in, our, in our ability to move the ball down the field uh, for the division and for 8th Army and for USFK, um, that, that capability doesn't exist anywhere else. Anymore. Closer look. Closer look. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. It sure does. Sir, if I could get you to give me your full name, rank, and current assignment and follow that up with uh, where you were with the uh, first calf. Uh, I'm Colonel John Peter D. Giambattista. Uh, I uh, was assigned to as the commander of 1st Brigade of 1st Cavalry Division. Um, and uh, the brigade deployed to Korea uh, from February 2016 to uh, October 2016, nine months, uh, attached to 2nd Infantry Division in the Republic of Korea. Excellent, sir. And uh, exactly what was the overall mission for the unit in this rotation? Uh, First Brigade uh, was attached to 2nd Infantry Division uh, and uh, as part of that deterred aggression uh, by North Korea and supported the alliance uh, with the Republic of Korea uh, in accordance with the uh, 8th Army and USFK. And how do you think that went? It was a, a fantastic uh, mission for us. Um, I, we have been in Korea for over 60 years, the United States Army has, um, and sometimes we forget how complex that, uh, that mission, that terrain, that region is. Uh, but in the time that I've served in the Army, uh, our job in Korea, our mission in Korea is one of those most complex I've ever dealt with. Um, everything from uh, non-combatant evacuation operations, uh, partnership with the Republic of Korea Army, uh, and counter-weapons of mass destruction uh, uh, operations. All those things together made for a very complex and challenging environment. 
Uh, overall, our soldiers grew, uh, the team grew, and we built uh, more combat readiness as well as expertise in our warfighting tasks. It was a great opportunity for the, the entire team, uh, and we all learned a great deal. And what do you think happens with the soldiers once they return from these, these rotations? Is this kind of training paid forward or utilized inside the home stations? Um, so paid forward, I think, is, is a way to describe it. Um, but absolutely, building the expertise uh, in the formation is fundamental. And what, is, what it allowed us to do is we had company commanders who were able to execute uh, combined arms live fires, bringing all the assets that they would use in combat uh, together for live fire training in Korea, in the United States. So some of them executed uh, uh, company level live fire training uh, three and four times, uh, whether it was at our National Training Center before we left or in Korea. Uh, they also got an opportunity to train with their, their partners in the Korean Army, uh, the Republic of Korea Army, uh, and that gave them their insight into both the region, uh, Northeast Asia, as well as the, the people of Korea. Uh, and I think that overall built uh, uh, soldiers that uh, had much more capability, much more cultural understanding, and uh, were experts in their tasks. If you had one thing to say about the program and these types of rotations, especially in the Pacific, what would you say is the most critical element within these kinds of uh, exercises? Well, the most critical element is that uh, it gives back to the force. So in our time there in Korea, we moved towards mastery. We, we uh, bolstered the alliance, deterred aggression, um, but also we built more professional soldiers, more professional non-commissioned officers, and more professional officers. Uh, we learned uh, very complex tasks uh, to a much higher level uh, through our time in Korea. We were able to focus on training, uh, and as we did that, take care of soldiers and families uh, throughout the process. Your personal opinion, you enjoyed it? I had a great time. Uh, it was uh, awesome to see our, our teams grow uh, and work with our partners uh, and also with the leadership in Korea, just doing a fantastic job in developing uh, both the relationship, uh, the partnership, and getting after a very complex and challenging mission. If you had uh, anything to add to that, sir, you want to share with your future? Um, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we saw, uh, we, we did this uh, mission, Counter Weapons of Mass Destruction, and um, it was really unique. We, we do room clearing, we do urban operations often in the Army, um, but in a, a uh, chemical nuclear environment, it makes it so much more challenging. And so, you know, some of the things we saw are young squad leaders uh, wearing their full protective suit uh, and their protective mask uh, and clearing rooms like we do, you might do in a video game, you might see frequently in other uh, scenarios, but in this scenario, they had the mask, their protective suit, and their chemical detection equipment. And moving through and monitoring all of those challenges simultaneously uh, really showed that the team growing, learning, and doing things that they'd never done before to a very high level. Uh, so a great opportunity to learn what we do uh, in a more challenging environment uh, and to a greater uh, level of proficiency. Closer look. Closer look. Ma'am, good morning to you. Good morning. And uh, welcome into the MDW. <laughs> the Military District of Washington. Uh, your hometown is, is uh, out in the uh, plains. Yes, sir. Edmond, Oklahoma. How do you find D.C.? I love it. I like the energy. Really? I like the perspective um, and the sheer amount of experience specifically that's located inside the Pentagon. Is Excellent. Has been eye-opening, sir. 
If you could, ma'am, give me your full name, rank, and unit of assignment, mm -hmm. please. I'm Captain Catherine Snyder, and I'm with the 1st Armored Brigade Combat Team, 1st Cavalry Division, Iron Horse. We deployed to the Korean Theater of Operations from mid-February of 2016 through the end of October 2016. All righty. And your position with the brigade was? I was the brigade chemical officer. And what kind of challenges and mission did that present to you? So as the brigade chemical officer, I was primarily responsible for keeping pulse on and advising the brigade commander on the chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats um, organic to and that could potentially affect our operations on the Korean Peninsula. Um, I had a unique challenge and a unique opportunity in that our brigade also fell in on a an incredibly complex mission set, which was counter weapons of mass destruction operations on the peninsula. What does that entail? That's something relatively new inside this particular environment. So yes, sir. could you kind of explain that for, uh, sure. for us? Counter weapons of mass destruction operations focuses specifically on preventing the proliferation of and the use of weapons of mass destruction. How'd you keep tabs on it? How'd you sure. monitor it? We accomplished the mission very deliberately. Um, the base of CBRN knowledge in the formation mostly rested on opportunities that soldiers have had in the past to do things like the CS gas chamber. That was their fundamental understanding of what chemical threats were. And we had to build the knowledge from the top down at the brigade staff level and from the bottom up at the team level and the men and women who would actually op who would actually execute this operation. And it was a very deliberate process to do that, sir. How did the soldiers react to that training? I think enthusiastically. Um, soldiers don't necessarily want to throw on their mop gear, but once they understand and once the threat begins to resonate with them, how real the training is and what the uh, repercussions of actually executing the operation are, I feel that they got behind our efforts. Messaging, very important in any mission set. Mm -hmm. Where did your messaging fit into the overall rotation? We're talking top to bottom, mm -hmm. left to right. As a member of the brigade staff, I had, um, I had the backing of my brigade leadership and the close relationship with other members of the staff to integrate CBRN operations into intelligence, into fires, and it required a truly joint effort. We had to elevate the base knowledge of staff officers and NCOs and warrant officers to understanding beyond what they typically executed to how that could affect training or operating in a chemical threat environment. Was it difficult? It was a challenge. It sir. was a challenge. Yes. Absolutely putting it in perspective. Uh, if you could share one thought or one precept about this particular rotation, mm -hmm. what would you say it was? What would you say it is? Mm -hmm. And going forward, the importance of it. Mm -hmm. First Brigade's deployment to the Korean Peninsula gave us the opportunity to hone our decisive action skills, and it also gave us the opportunity to explore new mission sets. And it reinforced the Brigade's ability to deploy, fight, and win in any training or operating environment. 
opinion, if you will, mm -hmm. if you can, about the way forward within the uh, missions that will be coming forward, in particular uh, Korea. Mm -hmm. It's one of the last places where you have one-on-one, -on -one, face on face, they're right there in mm -hmm. front of you, the DMZ. Did that impact your operations and the thought process that went into what you just described? Mm -hmm. what you I think the reality and the magnitude of the threat only served to resonate our mission set in the breasts of our soldiers and leaders. And you are going to carry that forward in training, I presume? Absolutely. Did you bring that back with you? I feel that we did. The Iron Horse Brigade is uh, well known for our readiness, for our exceptionally trained soldiers and leaders, uh, how well we execute our mission set and how agile we are and adaptable to accomplish even further missions. That's a wrap for this edition of Closer Look. Thanks to all our guests on the show for sharing their stories and providing insight into current operations in today's Army. If you'd like more information on the 1st Cavalry Division, we have links available for you in the description. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jacques Vanneman. Remember to subscribe, follow, maybe even leave a review to this podcast and have the latest updates and information on every Closer Look. This is U.S. Army. Closer Look. I think Jacques pretty awesome. Innovating. Insight. Soldiers. Soldiers. Mission. Closer Look. Closer Look. Those who were there. Uh, and what we need to make sure is we have the most capable army to deliver specific effects on a battlefield relative to U.S. national security interests. Those experiences. Those strategies. Closer Look. Closer Look. Army Media.